0: Dear friends, Not only does the Bible teach that our God deals with his children in terms which it calls rewards, but it teaches this truth frequently throughout. My hope is slowly to work our way through a number of these passages one by one to learn what scripture teaches us on this topic, rather than to accept the unbeliever's rejection of its teachings. I can think of few lessons more needed, and more neglected, in our day than this. I fear that much of the, take justice into our own hands violence and rancor in our day, grows out of a frustrated belief that God has actually failed in this matter, so they feel entitled to do what they believe God failed at doing. The two passages we study in this week's gleanings remind us that God has no way failed in his judgment. He judges on his terms, not at our whims, but he does indeed judge. Every sin shall face God either in his severe, but righteous chastening now, or it shall face him on that final day of judgment and reckoning. But face him, they all shall. What a different world we'd see today if more of God's people understood and truly stood up for and taught this truth to those in their world. Do you honestly and wholly trust God for your ultimate salvation? Yes. Good. If you trust Him for something so profoundly significant in your existence, doesn't it seem right and logical that you trust Him for His righteous judgment in matters related to this life? I am convinced. If we foster unbelief that the Lord shall judge, and judge righteously, in all matters, in His time and in His way, we have no reason to join in the divisive and hateful rhetoric that drowns us today in every media outlet available. God warns us in Scripture. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind, it hath no stalk, the bud shall yield no meal, if so be it yield, the strangers shall swallow it up. Hosea 8, 7 We can't sow the winds of hate and distrust and suspicion, and reap the fertile harvest of goodwill and contentment. Think before sowing words or deeds that fail the test of faith in Scripture. Nothing good can, or shall come of such a crop. So grace and goodwill. The harvest is far more palatable. Lord bless. Joe Holder. There is a reward for the righteous. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance, he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous, verily he is a God that judgeth in the earth psalm 58 10-11 kjv 1900 psalm 58 contains a powerful affirmation of the inherent wickedness of man in his fallen state apart from god and his loving grace estranged from the womb hardly describes unsaved humans with a residual spark of good in them does it how much of the churning like an angry tide unrest and cruel sinful conduct of one group of humans toward another begins with the faulty belief that they mistreated us and got away with it, so whatever we do to mistreat them is well deserved. And, when we strip away the facade of this idea, what feeds it? Is it not the belief that God simply has failed to judge righteously, so we must take upon ourselves the role of judge and jury where he has failed? Our study psalm, along with scripture throughout, steadily reminds us of the fundamental error of this idea. God's wheels of justice may roll at different speed than we wish, and they operate on fuller knowledge than we know, but we should never doubt for a moment that he shall judge every act of sin righteously and fully in his time and in his way. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, fear God, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, with every secret thing, whether it be good, or whether it be evil. Ecclesiastes 12,13-14 If you read the writings or listen to the rhetoric of the angry voices that have spoken so intensely in the last few months from all sides of the social and political divides, how many of those voices spoke in affirmation of Solomon's words in these two verses? How about none? and how many of them shouted out their angry disagreement with Solomon, with God who directed Solomon to write those words. How about almost all of them? Consider. If a people or society openly and directly contradict God and his word, how effective, successful, or beneficial can they be in the end? We either stand with God, or we stand against him. But, in the end... God is always right, and, whether on our timeline or not, He does always, always, bring every human work, including word, thought, and deed, to His judgment. The good, the bad, or the ugly, God shall bring it all to His table in the end. And whatever ideas or human interests contradict God's moral standard cannot, shall not, prosper. Eventually they fail, all of them. The leading point of Psalm 58 reminds us of the inherent and pervasive evil that resides in man, apart from God and his influence. But the psalm leads us along a path that resolves our problem with the pervasive evil that we increasingly see in our world. When his time comes for judgment, God shall judge, righteously, and speedily. Before your pots can feel the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. Psalm 58,9 Thorns are small thin pieces of wood, similar to kindling which you use to start a fire. It ignites quickly and flames up as quickly, slowly igniting larger pieces of wood. Before your pots can feel the thorns is a reminder of the first almost immediate spark of heat that a pot over a stack of wood would feel when you first ignite the kindling, the thorns, to start the fire. In other words, before the pot feels the first hint of heat from the kindling, God's judgment shall take away the wicked in a fury, as with a whirlwind. When that day comes, no one will complain, where is God's judgment? He said he would judge, but I don't see it. His judgment in his time shall be obvious and immediate. Do you believe God? Do you believe his testimony of his own judgment from his book? If so, you have no reason for present complaint at delayed judgment, do you? Despite the present delay, you believe scripture. You believe God. You know his day of judgment shall come, and then he shall promptly and decisively execute his judgment. If we accept God's testimony of his prompt, decisive, and righteous judgment, we have no reason to join the complaining crowd who angrily decide, on any side of any issue, to take judgment into their own hands under the guise that God has failed, so they are entitled to do so. So God doesn't execute his judgment when we think he should. Godly faith reads his words in his book, and believes them. Period. From that vantage point of faith, we have every reason to rest peacefully in the Lord's faithful promise, and await his time and manner of judgment. So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous. If you fully believe and rest on the Lord's promise of future, righteous, and even speedy judgment, you become this man. You can speak these words in full assurance of faith. So what if today the wicked bully and take advantage of the righteous? Their day is coming. So what if we must, for the moment, endure the injustice of the wicked? His day is coming. Reward, contingent on where we go, where we look. In Psalm 73, David develops this theme in far greater detail. He begins with the anchor principle, God is good to Israel, to his people, despite the appearance in the lesson following that he may neglect them for a time. David then examines the apparent prosperity of the wicked in their wickedness. They indulge their wicked appetites in one sin after the other, with no apparent check against their sins. For the moment, we struggle with David over this problem of delayed judgment. And they say, How doth God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. Psalm 73 verse 11-13 Go back to verse 10. The speakers of the sentiment in these verses are God's people. They are bowing low under the trial of this rampant wickedness that continues for its season unchecked they are beginning to doubt that the Lord shall honor His word of promised and righteous judgment. Have you ever doubted in similar fashion? Haven't we all at dark times? Even David reached his weak staggering moment. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Psalm 73 verse 16-17 In his own logical reasoning, David failed to grasp the end result and to see God's righteous judgment prevailing in the end. He needed help. He needed to go to a place where he could get a wholly different perspective on this painful scenario. Are you and I any different from David? If we try to wrestle our way through the wickedness and human cruel injustice to other humans, it will swamp us as fully as it overwhelmed David. We must go where David went and work to gain David's perspective from that place, for only there shall we see the outcome from God's perspective and know that his judgment shall prevail, powerfully, and justly in the end. Then understood I their end. I fear that many prominent people who today are looking for answers may be looking from the wrong perspective and in the wrong direction to find them. If so, they shall be as disappointed and disillusioned in the end as in the beginning. I include all segments of our angry, shouting, hurting culture in this assessment. Those who idealize human enlightenment and their younger, idealizing generation shall fail as fully as you and I failed when we were as young and idealistic as they are now. Those who are angry and feel oppressed shall fail to find relief in any of the destructions or reconstructions they pursue. Those who presume that they may take justice into their own hands and become judge and jury shall fail. Those who point the suspicious, but never certain finger of blame toward the latest conspiracy carried out by them shall fail. Why? All on every side are chasing the imaginary dream of human accomplishment, theirs, or someone else's, but not God and His way. None of them are going to the sanctuary of God for their answers. How about you and me? Are we going to the Lord's sanctuary for our peace and for our answers? If we go there, we shall have no reason, need, or desire to complain about all that they are saying and doing that is wrong. So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous, verily he is a God that judgeth in the earth. These two thoughts go hand in hand. One links to the other. Only as we anchor our minds in God and His Psalm 73 sanctuary perspective, can we find this peaceful, joyful, and settled belief, ah, thank the Lord, there really is a reward for the righteous. The Lord does take note and respond to His faithful people. By definition in the language of the passage, the reward for the righteous is something uniquely belonging to, and experienced by the righteous. But children of God who fall short of this faithful behavior shall never realize it. If you talk to them of this, reward for the righteous, do not be shocked if they tell you they do not even believe such a reward exists. How can they? They have refused to believe the Lord and his faithful promises that assure the reward. They have refused to go to that unique place where they can gain God's sanctuary perspective and how does this reward work its way into the reality of a faithful believers faith we only grasp it and realize its fruit when we look past all the pain the human failure the offensive injustice of one person against another and believe the reality of our god he is a god that judges in the earth the union of a reward with the confession that god is a judging god in the earth in one verse is commanding in fact I suggest that the realization that God has reserved a reward, a special blessing, for the righteous is tied to the realization that he is a righteously judging God. If we distill the major themes of this psalm into active principles of God's moral governance of this world, and apply those principles to our present world, the reality of this reward shines. Think of the angry, frustrated and confused lifestyle of those who ignore God and his judgment, trying to settle justice by their own power. We can debate who is right and who is wrong endlessly, but settle nothing. And in the next generation the young idealistic people of that generation will be debating the same issues, and they, echoing the present, will confidently boast that they, finally, shall make all things right. But it never happens. However, for those quiet, gracious people, who by fostering love and respect for other people in their hearts, who believe and trust God to judge righteously in his time and way, there shall be a reward of peaceful joy with life and with God that transcends comprehension by the world around them. These dear people, in David's time, today, and in generations yet to be born, shall realize the reward which the Lord pours out on the righteous, even as he judges the wicked. Elder Joe Holder